More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. Cristina Carvajal remembers exactly what it was like to visit her family's printing business with her father when she was a little girl. The sights, the sounds, and the smells of the printing presses left a lifelong memory that shaped her involvement in the family's enterprise. After she moved abroad to pursue her education and career, Cristina became the first family member to join the Carvajal Family Council from outside of the business's native Colombia. She now serves as the council's president and spoke to us about the role of governance, working on the unity among over 300 family members, and the importance of embracing transformative change that will benefit the family's future generations. Enjoy this episode with Christina. Christina, I would love to start our conversation the way I like to start many of our podcasts and of our interviews with family business members. And it's the question I always have, which is, if you have, or if you're aware of the first memory that you have of the family business, or in other words, do you remember when you first realized that your family actually has a business and that you're part of this sort of legacy? I actually do remember very vividly the many times I, I, I don't I don't know if it was the first time, but the many times as a child, maybe five, six, I have an older brother, a year older than me, and we go we would go pick up my dad at his office. And we would go through the part where they were printing. Our company's a printing started as a printing company. And we would go into the part where they were printing. And I remember vividly going through the corridors and watching all this small wheel cranes carrying loads of printed material and the sound of the machines and the smell of the paper. And actually, until today, I grab a book and the first thing I do is open up the book and smell the paper because it's a very familiar smell for me. Did your father ever share the challenging bits of it? Like, you know, did he ever show when he was tired or when he disagree with the family? Like, did he share any of that with you? That he didn't share. A lot of, of the family challenges of getting along with his cousins or starting a new business within the company that I know he started. We didn't get any of that at home. He didn't share many, many of his challenges. So he just shared whatever he was passionate about and it was graphic arts. So he would take us with a magnifying mirror and teach us how he checked that the colors were printing correctly and and try to explain. So up to this day, I, I love machines, any kind of machines. I'm, I'm mesmerized by how machines produced 
produce any kind of stuff when when I visit any any company or any business. So, but no, we didn't get the, the difficult part. We just got the fun part. When did you sort of like get closer to the family business as an adult? And sort of when did you start looking behind the scenes? And when did you first, I guess, get an idea of what the typical challenges are of actually running a family and a business and to keep those two things united? I think it was later on because I left Colombia to go to university in the United States, got married and went back to live in Ecuador outside of Colombia. And so I was away for 30 years, uh, which is a long time. But about 12 years ago, a spot opened in the family council. And at that time, we didn't have periods. You just just stay there for as long as you wished. And we go by branches. So somebody uh, out of my family branch left and they were going to choose somebody else. But I was living in Ecuador and I, I raised my hand. I said, I'm interested in being part of, of the family council. And they looked at me and they said, well, we only choose people who live here in Colombia. And I said, but I'm, I'm, I'm still interested. And so I was the first person that they chose from outside Colombia. And they said, are you willing to come in every month to family meetings? And I said, I'm willing and I'm going to be the top person to be there. And I actually had a very good record of not missing any family councils. So I started in the family council and at the same time, I started work the Family Business Network chapter for Ecuador. So those two things happened at the same time. And this was the first time that I actually sat in in a meeting and kind of took all what it meant to be part of a family business. You know, you mentioned a few very interesting things here, Christina. Like, so can you give us an idea like because we are going to talk about the fact that this geographical spread now of the family, of course, like that poses another challenge as well for the council to keep everyone together, keep everyone informed. How many family members do you currently have in Carvajal? Like, so what kind of a like effort does the family council have to span at this point? Mm, well, we're now in sixth generation and we're around 322 members with family members and in-laws and growing every day. And there's a baby going to be born in August. There's a two cousins getting married next week, this week, next week, and the week after that. So growing. So we're a, a big family, but I think we do a good job of keeping us united. So you joined 12 years ago. By that time, how long had the family council been active? So which generation actually started with the family council? The family council started in 1995. And it started with the third generation, with few members of the fourth generation. And it started because the third generation saw that they had grown up 
as siblings, not as cousins. Carvajal started in a garage of a house. And then the upstairs was where everybody lived, all the families and the cousins. So, so this is what I hear from, from the third generation. I mean, they would cross from one house to the other and, and they lived really as siblings. And they realized that the fourth generation wasn't going to have that closeness of growing up together and that uh, there needed to be some rules of the game. And so they started meeting actually in my house. And my father was very keen on doing research on family business at the time. There was not a lot of, of things written of how to govern a family business, but they still managed to find an advisor and they started working on a, a family protocol. They started meeting and immediately working on a family protocol. And those meetings continued and it became the family council. And uh, right now we have a big challenge. We always look at the norms, we, we put it up to date, but we realized recently that this uh, family protocol was created with a fourth generation in mind. Like the third generation only visualized a fourth generation. And now we're, we're asking all kinds of questions like, how is the family going to look in 20 years, a seventh, eighth generation, and kind of putting up to date that family protocol for a longer vision. I mean, they had a vision that's lasted 25 years, so it's good. But now, I mean, 30% of the family lives outside that is going to grow. And so how, how do we imagine this family in 20 years being a united family? So, so yeah, a lot of interesting questions. Talk to us about like what the relationship is like between the family council and the actual executive team running the business. First of all, I would say I have daily contact with Pedro, the CEO. It's, it's amazing how much the business relies on the family and the family relies on on the business so yes there's always something up about the very good thing that we've managed for the family to understand is that the family council is the funnel for their inquiries their concerns their questions for communication when they when they want something communicated from from the business, they contact the, the family council. So we've managed to create that. I want to explain maybe the process of the family council. For the first few years, it was about creating a family protocol. And that was kind of what it was centered, the family council was centered. And then the family council for the next few years after that, started to get more involved in uniting the family and bringing the family together and and doing different programs. To, but the family council still wasn't very visible. I mean, people from the family had no idea what happened be, inside those four walls and what the family council was for. And I would say that maybe 10, eight, 10 years ago, the family council has been a very visible part of our family very active part of our family. 
And, and that activity also shows in and how the business and the founding council relates. And that's how we get to a daily contact basis between the, the family council and the business. They're not separate bodies anymore. They interact a lot. The first generation, a lot of people worked in the business. There was a time that 30 people worked in the family business. Uh, now only two people work in the family business out of those 300. But if you count the people that support the business from the governing part, there's 40 of us. And the foundation has uh, two kinds of boards. So people working there, people working for the family council and the program of next gens working on the boards. So if you count all the people from the family, there's actually 40 of us right now. So that's very nice to see. We are choosing two members for the holding board right now, which is a very professional board. And we're happy to see that we have 12 entries. And the great thing to see is that we have younger generations applying. Of course, they, they don't meet maybe all the requirements, but they're still interested to participate. And then we have older persons from the family wanting to give back, like finishing their careers, very successful careers in, in I would say, worldwide businesses. And they want to be in the board because they want to give back. We put a lot into education from our family. We, we support education. We pay for the education. We pay for the education of all the family members since they're four until they graduate from university. So we invest a lot in education. And that means that the family wants to give back. And that's very nice to see. Cousins who, who haven't lived here for also 30, 35 years, they, they still want, want to give back. I know that Pedro is coming as a CEO, as the first family CEO again after a long time. So that was also a big switch up. Are you anticipating that this might encourage next generations again to apply for business positions? It's also because the company is expanding constantly into new directions. And so do you think that that number of family members is going to grow in the operational business as well? We really hope so. I think that the employment in families is dictated very much on the experiences that the family has had employing people from the family business. And for us, it's the same. As a fourth generation, when the family donated part of their shares, a big part of their shares to the foundation, it was said, it was never written, but it was said that the fourth generation had the right to work in the family business, they would open up a space for them, for the fourth generation. And that, I would say, didn't go well in the sense that if you have to create a space, then, then it's, it's difficult, it becomes difficult to handle. So for a long time, if people from the family weren't encouraged 
to work in the family business, implicitly also. And so we're going against that tide. And it's a process because I think you have to change a chip inside of the family that for a long time, it wasn't encouraged to work in the family business. So with Pedro, Pedro has been very encouraging in asking the family to consider being a part of the family business. But I think it's a process that we're we're on, but we would love to. I mean, we, as I said, we, we invest a lot in education. We have very prepared family members and, and it would be great. How do you manage the education of the next generation or of the family members with regards of what it is that you do as a family council and what they can come to you when they have concerns? Carvajal, it's, it's a very hard business to explain. And this has been a big motivation for me to have the family history so easy. And this is things that we work on on different programs that we're really working very hard on a development committee to be able to have what you say, to introduce to the youngsters what the business is, what do we do, the countries we're in. So we have different committees. One of them is the development committee. And we're working hard on trying to have like a yearly calendar where the family can listen to different talks with people who work in the business, telling them what they do. So we want two things, the family to learn and the family to feel closer to the business. So right now we're focusing, for example, on interviews with different people who work for the company. And so they can tell us something about their personal story also, how they got there, about their family, about the business. So we really want to start for the small children to learn about Carvajal. I'll tell you what we do right now, but this is our dream right now. I would say that from 18 and younger, we just rely on their parents telling them. And sometimes uh, some cousins come to me and, and they say, I want them to do an internship. I really haven't done a really good job in teaching them what Carvajal does. So we can't rely on that anymore. But then from 18 on, you're introduced to the family protocol. You have to read it. You have to sign it. And from there on, there's a lot of um, family assemblies throughout the year. And Pedro addresses the family uh, maybe four or five times a year to let them know how the business is doing, to let them know the challenges, to let them know what he's covered. What do you do when communication fails? So as the family council, how do you step in? What is sort of like your approach to make sure that things don't fester and, and I guess like poison the relationship of some family members with the Carvajal enterprise? We're a very respectful family. We are a family that believes in the leaders. We are a family that would not question a lot. I mean, if, if you question, you were disruptive. If you question, you were disruptive. And that wasn't seen like a, a good trade. But that has changed a lot. And family is more willing to ask the difficult questions and 
in the family meetings and in the family assemblies. The family is also more keen to disagree. Before, if somebody disagreed, they just wouldn't say it. And we didn't have a voting system. We started with a voting system to change the things in the family protocol two years ago. And we were terrified to see how many people disagreed because we had no idea because everybody just kept quiet. And so we were, the first time everybody voted, we were so nervous. We were like, we don't know how many people are going to disagree. But it was very nice to see that every time now that we have to change something from the family protocol, we go through a vote and we're happy to see people who disagree and who have different ideas and who nurture with those different ideas. But it was a a big process. And I remember that uh, when we were voting, there was something in the family protocol that said everything has to be by consent. And say so they would tell me, but you're asking to vote, which is first the consent, the vote. Can you really ask us to vote if it's by consent and nobody has approved the vote before the consent? So it was kind of hard. But now I think two years after that, people, family is very happy that we have a voting system. And what I tell them is we have to leave this better for the next generations. If there's 300 of them and they're gonna go by consent, I mean, it's never gonna happen. So let's make this easier for them. Let's have a voting system. Let's make them agree or disagree by a voting system. And this is happening only in the family governance. You mentioned before the committees that support you on the family council. So how do the committees interact with you as a president? And how many committees do you have as a family council at Carvajal? We have four committees. We did a strategic planning in 2018 to see what other programs we could run from the family council. And this was super important for us, that strategic planning, because Before, we just worked on different stuff, but we really didn't have pillars like I see them or defined columns where we work. So we defined four pillars where we work, and it's communication, education, family unity and legacy, and protocol. So we have a communications committee, an education committee. We have a financial committee. Also, because all of this is funded not out of the business, but out of the investment fund from the family. So I have to have a budget that I present in January with everything that is going to be covered, all the family assemblies, if we pay for tickets, all the, we participate in different forums, we we pay for people to go to forums. And so this has a budget. So I have to present the budget. They're They're very generous on the budget, but very strict that I <laughs> stick. <laughs> Account for it. <laughs> uh, yes. So the committees, the communication committee, for example, there's five of us in the uh, communication committee. Before it was people from the family council and one community manager that was a, a youngster from our family. She's incredible. She manages our Instagram, our Facebook, TikTok. We do contests. 
those are the more informal parts of how we keep the family united. But our Instagram has been amazing. And we also have, out of the communication community, we produce a magazine twice a year with information from the company, with information from the whole family, marriages, who's graduated, who's living where. It's a beautiful magazine. And there's the development committee that would be the education committee. And that's four people from the family council that started this year. So it's very new. And fortunately, we, as we're part of FBN also, we have other families where we learn. Carvajal has always looked to learn from families who are further ahead. And we contact them and we try to learn if we're starting a new program. I think this this kind of input of families that are ahead is amazing. I just met from a family from Brazil and I really want to get there in terms of family council. I mean, it's a beautiful family council, but we learn a lot from other families. And so the education committee has been feeding from, from that, from learning from what other families are doing. And we're just starting and... The other thing that I would say, Ramia, that is really important for the, for the Family Council is how much time is required from the members. I have a job, a formal job, but I would say I, I spend 50% of my time for the Family Council. I get paid, only the president of the Family Council gets paid. But then all the people who work in the committees, they spend time for the Family Council, time for the committees, and that theme of if you pay or not pay, we're there. And it's very difficult because it's, it's, it's our, our board, the family board. And, and people are spending so much time. Looking to your peers now that are looking to set up their family council, what would be your advice to them? Like, you know, you, if you see a family enterprise getting started with the notion of a family council, now that you've had this experience and now that you're the president as well of your own family council and you have your ambitions you want to fulfill, what sort of are sort of like the core pieces that you think a family needs to put into place in order to start off a family council successfully? I would say that rules are very important. And I think that for me, what is key and, and what gives me tranquility is that I see a fifth, sixth, seventh generation having clear rules and that makes it equal for everybody and that makes it fair for everybody and that gives you peace. So I think the family council starts because people see or families see that they need a structure so and rules that they can get along with. And that's the hard part because it's not the fun part. So I would say that drill the hard part and it's, it's not easy to agree to have a family protocol to maybe sit down and not know what to do, but that, that is that work that you do in the first few years turns into fun afterwards. We have fun at the family council thinking of, of different things that we can do to keep the family united. But I understand um, from what I've heard that coming 
and having those uh, the shareholders agreement or the protocol and work we're actually working on a shareholders agreement that we didn't have and i know how hard and how draining and how difficult it is but if you stick to that hard part and you keep on going then the fun part begins and there's always going to be challenges i'm happy that there's always going to be challenges and opportunities to be better and as i said all the energy that you put to work on your family shows and all the energy you don't put into working with your family shows so just start i would say and get through the difficult part of having all the rules written down and just think that if you work on that hard stuff you're going to leave it better for the next generation for sure and that's what motivates me leaving this better than what i received it's my biggest motivation every day for to work on a family council Christina on the Family Council, hard work, but very worthwhile according to you. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you so much. Bye, Ramya. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes. 